0: Well, good morning and welcome to Christ Central Church. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. And let me just say, if you're new to Christ Central, uh, maybe you just moved into the area, first year college student, a college student is just coming back or somebody who's checking out church for the first time. Uh, We're so glad you're here. We would love to connect with you. Please let us know who you are. Uh, Let me say as well as Timothy mentioned in the video was played, uh, that I'm so excited about uh, D.D. Wong and Evan Marberry coming on full time to our staff team. I think the more you get to know them and the more you get to know their families, the more excited you will be as well. I also want to just share uh, that I felt like a child on Christmas Eve as was announced. Our plan is to move to in-person outdoor worship starting September 13th. I, I really am excited. I can't wait. I've missed being with you Uh, We will live stream the outdoor service so that those of you who are not ready to come back or are prevented from joining uh, uh, in person can still join with us in spirit. Uh, Please feel free to do uh, what you feel comfortable doing. You can check out all those details uh, in the email that was sent or go to our website and, and all the information is there as well. Well, we're nearing the end of our series on the fruit of the spirit. Uh, We're in this series because many of us can be tempted to associate activity with growing spiritually. Uh, And in this season of pandemic, uh, I think the Lord is causing uh, all of our planning and dreaming and activity to be put on pause in many ways. And as frustrating as this can be for the planners and doers among us, of which I am one, I'm deeply convinced that God is at work shaping informing each of us to become more and more like Jesus, that God is chiefly concerned with who we are becoming. So we've been asking each week, are we growing more into the image of Jesus, which is a life that is growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter five. Today, we're gonna be looking at the fruit of gentleness, gentleness in Jesus's day was viewed much more as a weakness than a virtue. In the ancient world, strength and power and dominance were highly valued. Men in particular were to prove their strength by looking for and winning fights. Real men were winners. Gentleness was a weakness, not a virtue. And I believe this view of gentleness carries over into today. Rachel and I were watching the TV show Yellowstone this past week. We're in season three, and it's about a wealthy family that owns a ranch in Montana. And in this one episode, one of the old curmudgeon hard cowboy ranchers was looking at a 10-year-old boy and said to the mom, he's a tough one. You're either born that way or you're not. You're either born a willow or you're born an oak. You're either a willow, weak and gentle, or you're an oak strong and tough, as if the best way to live is oak strong or cowboy tough. See, Men today are encouraged to avoid gentleness to be strong, and women are encouraged to overcome gentleness in order to be strong. Gentleness is not something we esteem very much, much less pursue and pray for. I mean, seriously, when was the last time you prayed for gentleness so what we're going to look at this morning, the fruit of gentleness, we're going to look at two different passages, Matthew chapter 11 and then Galatians chapter 6. So let me read Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, Galatians 6, 1 through 3. It says God's word to us this morning. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In Galatians 6, 1 through 3. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Isaiah 40 tells us that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Pray with me. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, God, we need you to reveal yourself to us. We need our minds to be illumined and our hearts softened to be able to receive your word. God, we're thankful that you gently lead and guide and speak to us, that you gently love us. I pray that uh, you would bear forth the fruit of gentleness in our own lives because we've been with you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in 2014, Slate Magazine released a series of essays collectively called The Year of Outrage, including articles titled The Outrage Project, The Life Cycle of Outrage, What Outrage Means, The Cultural Outrage Audit. And it seems as a culture, we've just progressively grown in our outrage. 2016 is when the popular meme cancel culture started, and it's more prominent now than ever. Canceling someone is becoming outraged against someone or something, and then using influence to shame and silence one's opponent. Canceling and outrage, it's become the norm. Instead of engaging in difference, instead of listening to one another, we become. Outraged, and we seek to silence someone or something. We can do this on social media, be through slander and gossip, it can be through boycotting. It's become a very popular tactic of our times. I mean, honestly, gentleness does not exist very much within the public square, even in our private lives. We praise those who are louder and stronger and angrier. Whoever disagrees with us becomes our enemy and they must be destroyed. It's true for our political landscape. I mean, listen to news that leans left and you're gonna hear people trying to be loud, strong and angry against the right. And then if you listen to news that leans right, then they're trying to be loud, strong and angry against the left. This us against posture, it's not just in politics, it's almost in any subject. Immigration, sexuality, race, women's concerns, education, any social matter where there are differing opinions. And the irony of it all is that we say we are a culture that's all about love and diversity and inclusion, yet we're violent, shaming, bullying, silencing, a culture that rules by power and fear. I'm just going to say here that the church doesn't get a pass because there are too many examples for me to list this morning of churches and church leaders who have used power and fear to shame and cancel others rather than being gentle and loving. The way of outrage and canceling through power and fear, it is the way of the world. It is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is very much countercultural. In fact, in this list of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, I would say gentleness is the most counter to our current culture. So the first thing I want us to look at this morning is that the way of Jesus is gentle. Throughout the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we hear Jesus teaching about himself. We see him performing miracles. We hear him proclaiming his mission. We read of his death, resurrection, and second coming. But in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, we hear Jesus praying to his Father. He's revealing the deepest places of his heart, revealing the core of his being. And how does Jesus describe himself? Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Gentleness was not a strategy for Jesus. It was who he was and who he is. Now, this doesn't mean Jesus was a wimp who never raised his voice or never stood up for others. That, that by the way, is pseudo gentleness. Really, it's just timidity. And Jesus wasn't timid. Jesus would speak truth boldly and he would confront people with strength. Jesus was gentle. So let me give you my attempt at defining gentleness. Gentleness is tender care in the face of hostility, birthed out of humility. Tender care in the face of hostility, birthed out of humility. And Jesus is gentle. Jesus is never aggressive or belligerent. Jesus never bullied or belittled. The gentleness of Jesus was his greatest strength. Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is my yoke, which is him contrasting his way versus the way of the Pharisees and their yoke. Pharisees were the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, and Jesus says, "My yoke, my way is easy, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and lowly in heart." The Pharisees were far from gentle. Their yoke was burdensome. Their way was shaming. Their way of religion made you feel like you were never enough. The Pharisees taught the law, the law of God, in a way that it became a weapon to crush, rather than a joy to follow. That Led to flourishing. It's interesting that the people Jesus confronts the most with boldness is the Pharisees. That Jesus often rebukes the Pharisees for their pride. See this in Luke 18. It's a great depiction of the heart of the Pharisees when a Pharisee and a tax collector are both praying, and the Pharisee's prayer is God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men. It was a prayer of pride a prayer that was canceling out the tax collector. Gentleness is birthed out of humility. Jesus, lowly in heart, says, come to me and I will give you rest. Come, be at ease in my presence. Come and be free of the burden as though life depends on you. Come and experience my gentleness and allow me to tenderly care for you. One of the most beautiful things about Jesus to me in the Bible is that the people who were often the most at ease, the most at rest in his presence, were those who were pushed to the margins of society, those who had been rejected, those on the outside, the losers and the failures. We see this in John chapter 4, where Jesus interacts with a Samaritan woman at the well. She's a Samaritan, which means that she was viewed as impure, which would have pushed her to the margins. But she also had five husbands, We don't know exactly why she had five husbands, but in the ancient Near East, this also would have pushed her to the margins. And this woman meets Jesus at a well drawing water, and Jesus engages her, which was a scandal all in itself, and Jesus doesn't judge her, he doesn't condemn her, but he draws her out with questions. He invites her into relationship with himself hear me, gentleness encourages hearts. Harshness hardens hearts. And Jesus is gentle. We see Jesus' gentleness with Peter. Peter, the one that Jesus declared he would build his church upon. But after Jesus's arrest and trial, and when he was about to be crucified, Peter denies being a follower and a friend of Jesus, actually denies him three times. I mean, talk about failure. The leader of the apostles denies Jesus three times. and Peter, full of grief and guilt and remorse, I'm sure he thought he's done as a leader. If there was any reason to get outraged and a reason to shame somebody, Jesus had a reason to do so toward Peter. But in John chapter 21, Jesus appears to Peter after the resurrection and he engages Peter not in public, so that the other disciples and others could hear and see, but he engages them in private because he was concerned about his relationship with Peter. And then he offers Peter an an inviting question rather than a shaming statement. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus asks again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And then a third time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus says, go and feed my sheep. Or Peter, the failure, became Peter, the forgiven. Peter, the restored through the gentleness of Jesus. We see Jesus' gentleness at his own arrest, trial, and crucifixion. In Matthew 26, it tells us that Jesus could have called on 12 legions of angels to destroy and cancel out those opposed to him, but he didn't. When facing trial, many were hurling insults at Jesus, speaking lies about Jesus, criticizing Jesus, and he remained mostly silent. When being nailed to the cross, Jesus could have called down curses. But instead, while in agony, hanging on the cross, he's not concerned about himself, but the needs of his mother. And the crucified Jesus, who had the authority to judge, The power to snap his fingers and destroy instead hangs from a cross and says, Father, forgive them. Jesus would absorb the wrath which we deserved. And three days after his death, he would resurrect so that arrogant and prideful sinners can be forgiven and restored to new life and into a new way of living. This is not weakness. It is strength displayed in gentleness tender care in the face of hostility, birthed out of humility. This leads me to my second point, how Jesus's gentleness changes us. How Jesus's gentleness changes us. Dr. John Perkins is a a 90-year-old minister, civil rights activist, a man who's deeply impacted me. Uh, And about a year ago at a conference, he said this, this generation, our current generation, is the first to turn hate into an asset. He's talking about the norm of outrage, our cancel culture, how hate is now an asset, a weapon to wield. And if anybody had the the right to turn hate into an asset, to use it to their advantage, Dr. John Perkins would be high on that list. His mother died when he was a baby. His father abandoned him when he was a child. His brother was killed during an altercation with a Mississippi police officer. He was a black man during the civil rights era where he endured beatings and imprisonments and death threats. Yet instead of spending his life in retaliation and bitterness, he faithfully confronts racism, injustice, oppression, and violence while advocating for peace and reconciliation, healing, hope, and forgiveness, moving toward his enemies in love. We had the joy of having Dr. Perkins preach at Christ Central almost five years ago. And I can tell you from interacting with him, he is the real deal. He is a man of great strength, seen in his gentleness. Galatians 6, Paul, the author, says, Brothers, he's reminding, we're family. Even if someone fails, is overtaken by sin, somebody's wandering away, restore in gentleness. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Pride and arrogance. It causes us to confront others with condemnation. Humility leads us to confront with gentleness. Humility comes as we remember our own brokenness, our own many failures, and then we experience gentle Jesus, his tender care in the face of our hostility towards him. Despite our turning away from him, despite our failures in following him, Jesus forgives us. And he continues to pursue us, and he draws us to him with words and actions of invitation, not condemnation. Augustine said, if you should ask me what are the ways of God, I would tell you that the first is humility, the second is humility, and the third is humility. If we approach others in pride and self-righteousness, us against, we will be a people who exist to straighten others out. And we will come fast, and we'll come hard, and we will shame and hurt people. So We've got to guard our steps. We've got to look at the log in our own eye before pointing out a speck in anyone else's. Or else we will justify our righteous anger, and it will turn into bitterness and resentment, which becomes harmful and hurtful. Bono, the lead singer of the band U2, said, We must be careful in our efforts to confront the monster, not to ourselves become the monster. Let me be very practical here. Humility it allows us to respond and react to criticism, slander and gossip about oneself with gentleness because we need not be threatened by opposition. For a humble heart entrust our reputation to God rather than fighting to defend it. Another way that Jesus's gentleness changes us into gentle people is that we become very aware that other people are human beings with feelings too. That every person bears the image of God. And because every person lives in a broken world, they, like us, have been sinned against and hurt. And because of personal dignity in a broken world, every single person is valuable and every single person in our interaction should be handled with care. We've moved now twice since living in Durham, and my wife, is, she's really good at moving because she's very organized. I tend to be fast, and I want to throw stuff in boxes, and I become impatient. But she orders our stuff, puts things in the, in the right boxes, labels everything, which is super helpful. She puts our nice glasses and nice dishes in a box and puts a sticker or writes on the box, fragile, handle with care. See, our nice glasses and dishes are valuable to us, and they're fragile, and so we must handle them with care. God knows every single person is valuable, made in his image, and fragile because of a broken world where we've all been hurt. Believing that every person matters and that all people are fragile, it allows us to be tender in our care, even in the face of hostility. We can be sensitive to others' past experiences and present experience. We can give ear to their opinions, and we can do this with the most hostile of people. Knowing that oftentimes the angriest people, those who rage and shame, are hurting the most. You ever seen an animal get cornered or, or, or captured and trapped? I mean, man, they're fighting and they're clawing and they're biting, right? trying to do anything to get out of their situation because they're either hurt or they're deeply afraid. Oftentimes, those who are the loudest, angriest, raging, and fighting against others are the most hurt and or the most afraid. So next time you face hostility, be it with your roommates or your classmates, in your marriage, with your children or with your parents or with your coworkers, pray that you can remember this. Because if we can remember that this person right now that I'm interacting with matters because they bear the image of God, the divine imprint of God, and that they have very real feelings, we can engage with tender care being gentle. As Christians, we can't speak bluntly. We can't speak in an abrupt manner. We can't just say what we want and let the chips fall where they may. We've got to be considerate toward all people. We do not degrade other people. We cannot gossip about others, belittle others. And if we see someone fall into sin, we grieve for them. We do not judge them. We're always engaging, asking this question. What is best for this person? Jesus and his gentleness, he saw the value of every person. He engaged with them individually with the hope of calling them into loving relationship where they would feel at rest, at ease in his presence, and restored to new life. Scott Sauls, in his book, A Gentle Answer, he begins chapter one by telling the story of William Gladstone and Benjamin Disraeli Uh, These two men were competing against each other in the 1874 election to become Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. One evening, a a woman named Jenny Jerome, uh, famously known as the mother of Sir Winston Churchill, had an opportunity to converse with each of the candidates at a dinner party. And when she was asked by a reporter about her experience and impressions of the candidates, she replied like this. When I left the dining room, after sitting with Gladstone, I thought, he was the cleverest man in England. But when I sat next to Disraeli, I left feeling that I was the cleverest woman. Gladstone was a brilliant man, but Disraeli was known for helping people see their own value. People felt valuable, worthy, and honored when they were with him. When we experience gentle Jesus, we become people like Disraeli, who interact in a way that others feel valuable and honored while being with us. Psalm 18 verse 35, David prays, you've given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. Your gentleness made me great. The word gentleness in Psalm 18 could be translated stooping down. Your stooping down made me great. So another way to define gentleness is stooping down to help someone. Sensitive to the rights of others, honoring the feelings of others in order to help and restore to new life. And is that not the heart of the gospel? Our current culture, other faiths and worldviews demand that we work hard towards some goal demanding that we live up to some expectation, either something that we set up ourselves, this subjective goal, or something outside that we impose upon ourselves. And this way of living, it is burdensome and it's exhausting. But Christianity proclaims God stoops down. Jesus came down and he took on human flesh. He entered a broken world, endured temptation, was mocked, and then crucified. The Son of God would be canceled so we could be loved. Jesus stooped down so that by faith in Christ we could be restored into new life with Him in order that we might walk the way of gentleness and humility. Two things that are not esteemed in our current culture. So, what if through the gentleness of Jesus we became a people known not for our outrage? not for canceling others out, not for shaming and bullying or being you know, us against in our posturing, but rather as the Spirit of God descends upon us, uniting us to gentle Jesus, we too walk in gentleness, not clamoring for political power, not declaring our moral superiority or proclaiming our doctrinal perfection, but becoming a people who are gentle like Jesus. I wonder how our city would be different if there were stories of churches, leaders in churches, lay people in churches who are befriending across differing opinions on issues, who are embracing one another, confessing and forgiving one another, not canceling people, but loving people. And through gentleness, breaking down every dividing wall of hostility. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I pray that we could see you, God, as as gentle, as tender. You don't condemn. You do not shame us. You invite us into your care and into your love and into your grace to be forgiven, to be restored. And I pray that as you gently deal with us, that we could respond and uh, and that we would respond to your invitation to, to walk with you, to trust you, to believe, and, and that as we walk with you, you would make us a gentle people, uh, a gentle people who are tender in our care when faced with hostility, and it would be birthed out of our humility, because though you could have turned away from us, though you could have punished us, You gave your life for us. You humbled yourself so that we might be saved and restored into a new way, to a new life. I pray you would bear this fruit of gentleness in all of us. Please, Jesus, in your name. Amen.